On today's episode of the podcast, I start off by talking about a really rough night I just had. You might get some laughs out of this one. And then I share fairly deeply and vulnerably about a really difficult moment I had with my daughter this week. Just a big, huge emotional release, how challenging it was for me, how I navigated that, and then how Leah and I were able to come together to really ground and connect in the end. I also have a little mini episode or mini segment of Ask Rachel at the end of this show, where I answer a couple of questions about oracle cards and the yoga practice. It's a good episode. Episode. Do scents evoke memories and transport you back to being on the beach during your favorite vacation? I know they do for me. Osea's Andaria Algae Body Oil smells like summer or the beach in Aruba, bottled with all natural, uplifting notes of mango, mandarin, grapefruit, lime, and cypress. But it's not just about the elevated scent. This body oil is clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and deeply moisturize, leaving skin silky and soft. It delivers that coveted post-vacation glow, like you just returned from a tropical getaway. And right now, you can get 10% off your first order with our code YOGA at OseaMalibu.com. I love Osea's Andaria Algae Body Oil. I use it every single day and I have for so many years. It makes me feel silky smooth and just glowing. This body oil is rich but never greasy and clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity. It visibly firms your skin, leaving you more sculpted and toned. No wonder I feel so great after using it. But it gets even better. With Osea, you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Osea's products are clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. They are a women-founded company that has been making seaweed-infused skincare for over 28 years. So bring on summer. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean vegan skin and body care at Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code YOGA at OseaMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OseaMalibu.com and use the code YOGA for 10% off. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the show. It's that time of the week, time for a brand new episode of the Yoga Girl podcast, Conversations from the Heart. I am sitting here in this moment, really feeling, I feel so soft. <laughs> it's like a weird feeling almost. I feel so soft in my whole entire body. It's like I could melt onto a puddle on the floor. I just, I feel every, every muscle in my whole body is just oh, letting go a little bit. <laughs> I had a really intense but beautiful morning this morning. Dennis is still away. He's in Aruba. He comes back at the end of the week. Um, so it's been a fairly busy week. It's just always, you know, even though I feel like our circumstances are very easy and our daughter is generally very easy. <laughs> it's a lot of, it's a lot to carry the emotional burden of parenting alone. And then of course, you know, the logistics of a lot of all the driving and back and forth and activities and the cooking and the bedtimes and the, that's a, uh, it's a lot. It's a lot. And aside from that, I just, I really miss Dennis. Like, I feel like this trip was too long. I don't know. He, he told me, it's just a week. I'm just going to be gone a week. I'll be right back. He's dealing with some stuff at, uh, in Aruba at the studio and 
couple of other things, our Airbnb over there. And and then I find out it wasn't a week, actually. He's gone for 10 days. And something about that shift that I was expecting a week, but it's 10 days. But in his, you know, Caribbean mind, he's like, yeah, same thing. You know, it's basically a week. I felt like so, I don't know, I just since the last couple of days, I just really, really, really miss him. I was expecting him home and I thought he would be here and he's not here. And and it's also a good feeling, you know, to miss your person, that little achy feeling in your heart, you know, when someone you love isn't there and you want them back home. It's it's a good feeling to have and it's a good feeling to to be reminded of after having spent, you know, what is it now, 12 and a half years <laughs> together. It's a really long time. Oh, my God. It's a really long time. Thinking of that, of that just 12 and a half years, that's a big number that we've, <laughs> that we've been together. But anyway, so this morning, um, I have a friend here, one of my best friends from Aruba, Yvette. She's here first time in Sweden, which is so fun. If it sounds like we have visitors and guests at all times, it's because it's true. <laughs> we really have. We have friends and family visiting here nearly uh, almost all the time, like constantly. And I love it. I love it so much. I think it's such a sign of how beautiful this place is and how homey it is and, you know, how much fun we have. And I really... Mm, it's very, very yummy. And having Yvette here, who I've known since I, she was my first friend, really, in, in Aruba um, back in 2010 when I moved there for the very first time. And she's never seen Sweden. She was supposed to come to our wedding, but then last minute couldn't go. And and now she's here and it's just beautiful. And I brought Leah to school this morning after a really weird, just like, oh, yeah, weird night. I don't know. I'm, I definitely sleep worse when Dennis isn't here, but oh, this thing, okay, it's like a silly story, but for me, it was like a little, it was, it was a little bit heartbreaking. I haven't been sleeping very well. Yeah, generally, I don't sleep very well. And, um, but I have this theory or my friend here has a theory that the reason I'm sleeping pretty poorly is because our bed isn't good. She keeps saying, like, your bed is really, really hard. Like, this is a very hard bed. And I'm like, I, I really felt like I paid a lot of, I did a lot of research when we were buying a bed for Sweden. And I didn't just buy any old bed. I really wanted a sustainably made one. And I wanted one that was non-toxic and as organic as possible. And then I did all the research about firmness and softness, I thought. And I even had those people on the phone. I explained even, you know, there's a weight difference between me and Dennis. Obviously, he's a really big guy. So we needed like a mattress that was going to work for both of us. And I, I put a lot of work into this bed, right? And then I think it's too hard. It's too firm. Like I really think it's too firm. But I don't want to admit it because it was a pricey bed. And I don't want to admit that I that I made a bad choice. <laughs> so I've just been toughing it out on this bed. And kind of every morning I wake up like my ribs hurt a little bit, you know, I have way more aches and pains, just like little bit of aches and pains all the time, especially like in my back and, and rib area. I sleep on my side mainly. So like I wake up just like very sore, you know, and I don't want to admit or I haven't wanted to admit like, oh, it's my own fault. I did this. The bed isn't good. But finally, finally, just this week, I was like, okay, I'm giving in. Like, I'm having such bad night's sleep. Okay, I'm going to try buying a topper, you know, one of those. I think in Sweden, we call it like a bed madras, which doesn't make any sense. 
<laughs> I don't know why it's called that. But um, a topper, like a mattress topper. So I bought a soft one to put on top of the very firm mattress. And I ordered it online, which was like a whole journey because apparently the size bed we have is like American standard. Even though I bought the bed from a Swedish manufacturer, we have American sized beds. This bed is American size. And like the measurement of this bed does not exist in Sweden. And I didn't know. Like I'm, I'm like, I really made a lot of bad choices. This is like, it's like exactly a two by two, which I think is a California bed, not a California king. I think it's a California, I mean, a king bed, not a California king, just like a regular king bed. And in Sweden, those size, that size, it's always two by two ten, always. So I can't find like sheets. I mean, it's really like, it's like, it's just like a bad move that I bought this size bed. And I don't know what I was thinking. Anyway, I finally found this mattress topper that I really wanted. I compromised even on some of the like organic stuff because I couldn't find it. I couldn't find like an organic version of it. So I just like, I bought a regular one that seemed good. And then it arrived yesterday and I was really excited and I felt like, oh my God, I'm going to have finally, this is the answer to all my sleep issues, right? I'm going to have a great night's sleep. You know, Leia was really tired. She fell asleep early. I, I just felt like she's going to sleep super solid tonight. I open up the topper, put it down. It's really nice. Like it feels really good. I lay down on the bed. I'm like, oh my God, this feels really different already. I took all the sheets off, of course, to do this. So I put new sheets on and it was kind of late. You know, it was like almost midnight. We'd had dinner and a lot of wine. And I just, I really did this as a little like late night gift for myself, you know, put new sheets on all the way. And it's a big bed. We have like eight pillows in there. Like it takes a while to put brand new sheets on. But you know that feeling slipping into a perfectly brand new, freshly made bed. And the air was kind of cold, like it's cold at night. So the air in the bedroom is like crispy and beautiful. And it was just like so nice. And right before I had finished, I walked into the living room because Dennis called. He wanted, he had some something he wanted to, to talk about, even though it was really late. So I took like a 10 minute call with him after I had made the bed, you know. And then I go back inside and I'm like so excited. And I slip into these sheets and like everything's so great. And I'm like something smells weird. And I'm lying there and I'm like, it smells something, something's not right. Like something smells really off. What is going on? And then I almost thought it was like something burnt. So I, I went out into the kitchen again to see like, is the oven left on? No, nothing's on, no candles, nothing. Okay, go back in the room. Like that's, what is this smell? It's like super weird. And then I thought maybe it's the topper because it had plastic around it. So maybe it's off gassing or something and I should have aired it out. And I'm lying there I literally could not fall asleep because of this really weird smell. It was like ruining my perfect moment. <laughs> and then I put my, like I, I start doing the thing when like you have a weird smell and you use your nose to find it, you know, when you like really put your nose into something. And I just like put my nose into the duvet, which was like already like right by my face. And I realized a dog peed <laughs> all over the bed. <laughs> We are dog sitting right now. And yeah, yeah, he peed. He peed all over the bed in two places. And I can't, I mean, this is not the end of the world, but I can't like explain to you properly. It's 1230 in the morning and I really had set myself up for this wonderful, beautiful thing 
only to find that in the 10 minutes that I walked outside to take that call, and I don't know if he did that because it was new or weird smelling because it was right out of the box or if something was wrong. I really don't know. I don't know. But it's like all over the duvet and in the topper, like it's in the mattress. I was so upset. <laughs> like I was so, I was so upset. I, and I couldn't bring myself to do the whole process again. I'm like, I can't, like it's almost one in the morning. I take all the sheets off and put them in the wash. And like, it was in the duvet, you know, it's like, oh, and I'm so heartbroken about my perfect evening and my mattress topper that I just got. And it's like ruined, you know? I mean, of course it's not ruined. Like I can clean it. Oh, you know, it's not the first time a dog has peed in like a shitty place. Of course we have many dogs and have had many dogs for all of our lives. But seriously, so what I did is I was so frustrated. I just like turned the whole duvet upside down. So the pee area was like by my feet. I can't believe this is so fucking gross. And then I laid in the middle of the bed because the pee was on the left, <laughs> on the right. It was like, he was like, let me pee where Rachel sleeps. Let me pee where Dennis sleeps. It was like on either side, <laughs> two big pee. <laughs> and I slept in the middle surrounded <laughs> by saying it now it sounds so gross like why didn't I like what what could I have done I don't I don't even know what I could have done like I wasn't gonna change the sheets again in the middle of the night you know I was and then I lay there and I'm just like so angry I'm so upset I'm so upset and I'm upset with this tiny dog <laughs> that we are like taking care of for a week you know it's like like, it's not the dog's fault. Like, I maybe I didn't I didn't let him out late enough to for his last pee. Maybe it's my fault. Maybe he was scared. Maybe he's incontinent. Maybe I can't, like, you, what does it help to be really angry with a dog? Nothing. Like, nothing. This is not useful at all. But I was so angry with him. Like, really, 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 really angry. So I'm, like, lying in bed, surrounded by pee, and I'm stewing in my own anger because I'm so frustrated. Like, I couldn't let it and then he like sits up and then he lies down and then I'm like okay I, I maybe he still needs to go even though he peed everywhere so I'm like okay fine by now it's like 1 15 you know in the morning it's like a lot of time is passing I take him outside and yes he does pee we go back inside and I'm like and then he jumps up on the couch and I'm like you know what you stay there like I'm so upset and I know he only sleeps in the bed normally so like you know, he's not like a living room sleeping kind of dog. And he's like on the couch. I'm like, you just stay there, you little douchebag. And then I go inside and I like slide back into my middle space in the bed to avoid the pee. And I'm lying there and then I'm like, oh my God, I'm like punishing a dog, <laughs> leaving him outside in the living room. It's a dog. And then I'm like, but I'm so tired. I just, I need sleep. I need sleep. And then I got all stuck in my head and I'm just like angry and feeling guilty and thinking like, should I just like get up and clean the sheet? You know, so finally I just, I couldn't take it. So I brought him back in the bed. I don't know. I think I was up until like two in the morning, just feeling a lot of feelings about this stupid mattress <laughs> that I made a mistake about in the first place. I don't know. Sorry, this became like a long story about a really stupid fucking thing. But so I woke up this morning, like I did not sleep like at all. And just just like, just 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 a lot. So I felt like, okay, I really need to move. 
you know, you know that feeling if you've had a bad or tricky, tricky night or the next day, it's like, oh, if you can just sweat it out a little bit, that's going to make you feel better, you know. So I drove out of school and then I was like, Yvette, let's go for a run. And we used to, this is pre-pandemic, which was like my last big year of running, which is 2019. That was my peak. I've never, I've never identified as much with being a runner as I have in 2019. And Yvette and I used to run a lot, several times a week. We would run on the North Shore of Aruba, these beautiful little trails we would run. And she hasn't run a lot since then. And I haven't run a lot since then. And we were like, let's just go together. She's one of few people I feel really comfortable running with. Almost everybody else I know who runs, I feel, I feel so like, oh, I can't keep up. And I don't know, I get in my head, you know, I can't like fully relax. But I really know like Yvette and I were on the same level. There's no shaming anybody. There's no one who's, you know, and even like she could take off and go faster or further than me. And I would not feel like I like that's weird. And I could take off and go faster and she wouldn't feel like that's weird. We're just like very good running buddies. <laughs> um, like I would love to run like one of my best friends, Olivia. She's really like she loves to run. Now she's very she's been busy having <laughs> she had a how old is Hedda? She's two now. So yeah, we have we, we also haven't run obviously when you're pregnant and then having a little one, you're not running. But she's the kind of person who can like go out and run 10K. And I'm like, I I don't vibe with that. <laughs> like, good for you that you wake up in the morning and you go for a 10K run. Great. Like, I'm very happy for you. That is not my area. Okay. That's not the realm in which I exist. Okay. <laughs> I need to like hang with the people who like, you know, let's do like a solid 3K and Maybe if we feel okay, we can make it to five. You know, that's like, oh, that's where I'm at. So we ran today and we did like an interval run and we did 8K in the end, which was like beyond what either of us was expecting to do. We just, we ended up having a destination like we wanted to go to. And then it was so beautiful. And then we paused there and walked around. It was so amazing. And then we ran back, jumped in the lake and then spent an hour in the infrared sauna. And then just now had the biggest brunch of all time. And we're just sitting there. Like, I think we both pushed ourselves a little too hard. We're just sitting at the breakfast table, like, kind of quiet. I'm like, are you okay? She's like, I'm, I'm really tired. <laughs> I'm really tired too. It's kind of like, I don't know. She's like, I feel like I'm at boot camp or something. <laughs> she just arrived and we're like running, swimming, sauna, let's go, you know. But this feeling that I have just in my body sitting here from the run, yeah, not sleeping and then from the run and then the swim and then the sauna, I literally feel like I don't have any cartilage or like fascia in my body to hold me up. I'm just, I'm just melting into the seat. So yeah, that's me <laughs> right now. was not expecting to open this podcast with a story about pee. And a mattress topper, but yes, sometimes, sometimes this is this is where we go. Sometimes in life, skepticism can serve you well. It can save you money, keep you from wasting a day at a timeshare presentation, and help you avoid spreading gossip. To be honest, when I am faced with a new scenario, I usually tend to be a skeptic until something proves me wrong. And if you're like me, you can probably spot a too-good-to-be-true health hack from a mile away and read labels like it's your job. That's where ritual comes in. 
They know that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds your standards. Their clinically backed Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin has high quality, traceable key ingredients in clean bioavailable forms. Take two delayed release capsules per day that optimize your body's absorption and you'll get nine key nutrients. Rituals Essential for Women is USP verified, so you know you can trust what you're putting in your body. Only about 1% of supplement brands on the market have the USP verified mark, which shows the product contains the ingredients actually listed on the label. On top of that, Ritual multivitamins are vegan, non-GMO project verified, gluten and major allergen free, certified B Corp and made traceable. I take my vitamins every morning with breakfast. It's part of my daily ritual and I feel so good doing it. No more shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash yoga girl. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash yoga girl for 25% off. I, um, I hinted last week on the show. I didn't even hint. I was like kind of an ass about it. I was like, I have huge news. And then I was like, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> and a few of you have reached out to me throughout this week. Like, what is what is going on? What is it? What is it? And no, I'm still not pregnant. I honestly can't believe how many people ask me that in a day. I, I, it's, it's wild. Truly, it's wild. Last couple of, I don't know, months, I think I've gained a bit of weight also just like changing our diets a bit and yeah, moving a little less than I normally do, even though I feel, I feel like I move a lot all the time. I honestly don't know why. Yeah. I just, I've, I've just gained a little bit of weight and that doesn't help. Right. I mean, I feel like I should be allowed and entitled to gain or lose whatever amount of weight that I do in the, in my life and look however, and be however, and not have to get that question constantly but I do I don't know if it's you know it's kind of like it's not okay to just have one kid or it feels weird to people to have one kid we have to have a second one like who made up that rule you know yeah people are people are nosy it's kind of interesting I I thought about this the other day if you decide to not have kids people think you're weird right all the friends that I have who've decided that actively made the decision they don't want kids and I really I have one of my best friends. She's always known, always known. Yeah, she doesn't want kids, always. And her husband also, they don't want kids. And people don't stop asking, you know? It's like forever and ever, like every year, how about now? And what about when you get older? And then maybe you can't, you know, you can't change your mind later. And it's like not socially (laughs) acceptable to decide or choose to not to have kids. It's really weird. But then there's a lot of people who really want kids and then they can't have kids and they struggle and go through rounds of IVF and have miscarriages. But then that's like really taboo, right? So we're we're not actively openly talking about that as a society either. That's like secret and a little bit, you know, something that you don't talk about, which I find also like, you know, why is that the case? If we're nagging people to get pregnant, then the people who are really actively trying to get pregnant, we should have a safe enough space that we can talk about that, you know, and share each other's feelings about that. But no, we don't. And then if you have one kid, first thing people ask is like, when are you having another one? It's like, can you just like be chill? (laughs) Can I have, can I have my one baby? (laughs) and feel good about that, you know? 
And then having two children is very acceptable. I feel like the two, three area, that's where society wants you to reside. That's the norm, right? Everyone, everyone has to have kids. It should be two to three, right? But if you go beyond that and you have a fourth kid, or God forbid, you have five or six or seven, people start treating you the way they treat people who choose to not have kids. Ask like, what's wrong with you? You know, like, why are you having so many? What are you doing? Like, what's, are you guys like, you know, I have several friends who have a lot of kids. I have one good friend who has many. She's expecting her seventh or eighth now. <laughs> She doesn't know because it might be twins. And just, I don't know, I just know her journey of people having a lot of judgments and a lot of preconceived ideas and a lot of negativity around her choice and having a big family. And I just really think, can we all just make our own decisions and act on what we feel actually is best for us and our families and do that in peace, please? Like, why do we all need to have so many opinions on what everybody else is doing? I really, I really think this is, I really think this is like a, it's, it's a disease that we have in this world. Everyone is just so busy with other people's lives. You know, why? Why does it have to be that way? I don't think it serves anybody. And if we stay this busy wondering what everybody else is doing, how on earth are we going to be able to make our own lives as amazing as we really want them? You know, I think about that a lot, just conserving my energy and focusing intently on the things that matter to me and how easy it is to become really caught up in other people's stuff, other people's business, and even, you know, the world of celebrity, the world of gossip and influencers and the news and the media. And there's just so much distraction out there in the world. And I try to really do my best to minimize that, to not get caught up and get really busy with other people's lives. Because every hour that I spend wondering and thinking and judging and worrying about how other people are living their lives, it's an hour that was lost for me. It's an hour not spent either presently living and enjoying my life or presently actively working to realize a bigger life for myself. And that kind of focus and dedication that it takes to make dreams happen, you know, it doesn't just casually happen on the side of everything else. It's something we have to take really, really seriously. And yeah, I'm sorry if I'm ranting a little bit here, but I have a lot of big feelings about this. I guess I'm really annoyed at people asking me when we're having a second kid. So stop. Okay, thanks. <laughs> and I guess, yeah, the reason I'm thinking about that a lot is because last week I said we have news and then I had to immediately say we're not pregnant. And even though I said that, a bunch of people wrote me saying like, did you say you're not pregnant because you're actually pregnant? You know, like, are you sure that's not it? Like, are you like you're glowing today? I'm like, I'm fucking glowing every day. Has, has it ever occurred to you that I glow every day? <laughs> not only pregnant people glow. We all have a right to glow at all times. We also have a right to sit <laughs> in our tea room looking like absolute hell melting into the podcast chair because we ran too far this morning. <laughs> like if you looked at me right now, I I think I'm I think I'm losing like I think I'm I'm pale. <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if I'm well. <laughs> But yes, we have 
very big news. And I promised Dennis to wait to share until he's home. So it's something we're going to share together. I know it sounds like a fucking pregnancy announcement. I need, maybe it's me. I need to stop talking about it. Like, you know, but there's lots of other big things that can happen in people's lives, right? Um, so I'm going to wait for Dennis to be home. And then I think hopefully, yes, I get to share this, this little life, life change, this little life tweak that we're making, which also is very centered around, yeah, dreams coming true and small dreams becoming big dreams. And yeah, I'm sorry for all the cliffhangers, but I am going to have to leave you hanging for another week. I actually know today, actually, I, we don't really have this on a schedule, but once a month, I like to answer some questions for Ask Rachel. And today I just had a lot to share. So I'm going to do just a couple of short questions in the end of this episode. So if you're on the edge of your seat waiting for an Ask Rachel episode, today's Ask Rachel is going to be just a little one at the very end because I have, I do have a lot on my heart and a lot on my mind. And the thing I really wanted to kind of open up to and, and talk about a little bit this week is this major thing that Leia and I, it, was a, it wasn't even a major thing. It was a major moment, I guess, that we had this week. I talked about it on social media a little bit. And whenever I share about hardship in motherhood, I just get such a big response. I feel parenting can be so hard. And whenever we hear another parent or another mother say, this shit is hard, we feel so seen, you know? I think some of my favorite Instagram accounts are those parenting accounts or parents that talk about like the really good, but also the really bad. And sometimes I feel like I don't do a good enough job at that when I share the side of parenting with Leia Luna. But part of that honestly is that for the most part, we have a very easy time. And I know this is really um, completely depends on the child and the age and what's happening in the rest of our lives. And there's no such thing as 100%, you know, no such thing as a good kid or a bad kid. No such thing as a better kid or a worse kid. You know, every kid is a good kid. And circumstance really is is everything. And when I shared this week that we went through a major, major, major emotional meltdown, I uh, I had some comments on Instagram like, oh, I feel so relieved to hear this. It really looks like like you and Leia just have every, like it's perfect and so easy all the time. And I had to sit with that a little bit. And I'm like, wow, am I am I only sharing the good moments? And I've like unconsciously created this image kind of that everything is so easy with her. But then I thought about it and I'm like, no, everything is easy with her. We're super, yeah, it is. And I don't know if she's had, I, I feel like she's had an emotional maturity about her very early. And that makes parenting easy, easier, let me say, let me say that. <laughs> And um, just the fact that from a really early age, we could talk about our feelings and make sense of things together. And she could kind of wrap her head around why we do certain things and why we don't. Whereas that age where it's like you have to say no to something or set a boundary for something and they can't, they fully don't understand why, you know. 
she never really, yeah, that, that phase for her was very short. So I feel like that's something that makes just, yeah, life easy with her. But generally, you know, she's a very, very happy kid. She wakes up every single morning, every single day. She crawls into bed. She puts her hands on my cheeks, like on my face. And then she whispers, good morning, mama. And then she kisses me on the nose. <laughs> like she wakes up smiling every day. She doesn't have a day where she wakes up and she's cranky. You know, she's really just a happy kid. And of course, a lot of it, of course, is the presence and the work and the time and the dedication that we have as parents as well to be able to pour that back into her. You know, we do, both me and Dennis, a lot of work around our parenting and our inner journeys within ourselves. And we spend a lot of time in, in conversation around how we parent. And if there's something we should, you know, tweak or move into this area or, you know, we're always learning and growing and we spend a lot of time really present there. It's not like here is all of life and then, you know, lay us along for the ride. You know, we really, we really do put a lot of work towards just conscious parenting, which I think, of course, really helps. But so the reason this week was such a shock for me is because I haven't had this experience with her. And it was like, she had an emotional meltdown, like a mega, mega, mega tantrum. And I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to, I didn't know, I didn't understand what happened. I didn't, I couldn't connect the dots. And normally with her, I can always connect the dots. If something's not right, or she's upset, or she's angry, she's sad, I can always trace that back and really understand. And when I can understand, I can see her and hear her and she gets that moment of connection and then it never turns into a tantrum, right? I think oftentimes tantrums happen when a kid doesn't feel seen or doesn't have their needs met or they're looking for connection and it's just really hard in that moment. And yeah, sometimes it's just like, what the hell is going on? We have no idea, right? Kids are kids. But I could, I, I didn't get it. So I'm going to tell you what happened and then maybe you can connect the dots. I've been able to do it afterwards. I kind of understand how we how we ended up in this place. But so Leia had a play date. She's new in school since, yeah, she has been, when did she start? She started in April in the school where she's at now. She started when we moved to Sweden, she was in a different school and now she's here. And it's a really big thing for me that she has friends, okay? It's very, very important for me that she has friends, that she feels like she has a community. It's like something that, I don't know, and maybe this thing happened because it's important for me, I don't know. But I really try to put effort into making sure that that she gets to connect with the friends that she really loves from school, outside of school. And I'm trying to forge relationships and I'm trying to make friends with other parents and you know, creating the opportunities for her to really build deep friendship, because it's not something that just happens on its own, right? Especially at this age, five, I really think you have to create the spaces for them to, to, to deepen their relationships. And we live far away, right? We're not in the middle of town, we're not walking to school or biking to school like all the other kids. We're at least a 15 minutes drive, you know, into the woods, like, and, you know, there's not a lot here. So it's not this kind of natural community building space. We have to make the effort. So she had a play date. She was very excited with a girl that she talks about a lot in school that I always see them playing when I pick them, when I pick her up at school with this super cute kid. 
And of course, I wanted to put in like a little bit of extra effort. So we had cake and we had a picnic outside in the grass. We went apple picking and just roaming around the land. We went to the playground. We baked, yeah, with the apples that we picked. We, I, they, they got to choose what to bake. We made apple cake with that. And then we had dinner and just like, it was like a big fun day, basically. And then we drive back, you know, and I was really tired. I was really, really tired. And I had offered, like she's had playdates before where the parents of the kid pick the kid back up at our place, but it's really far. And I get like being a parent, you've worked all day, your kid has a playdate, and then you have to drive 20 minutes, you know, into the woods to pick up your child from playdate. Like that's kind of sucks. So I'm like, no, it's no problem. Like I'll drive them back. I'll drive it back. Don't worry about it. But I was really tired. You know, it was like 7 p.m. And I felt like the day was so good. And then we get there and they live in, I, I was trying to find the the word for this in English, and I don't know if I have it right, but in Swedish, we call it a radhus. So, you know, it's like a house that's split in two and there's two entrances and it kind of looks like it's one house. And then all the houses in the in the neighborhood look the same. And usually there's like a little communal area in the center. First, I thought it was called a duplex, but I, I, I'm, I'm unsure now. Is a duplex, isn't that like an apartment building? I don't know. Is this a, is this a Googleable moment? Okay. Okay. Google says it's called a townhouse, but that does not sound right to me. So basically, it's like a little community where all the houses look the same, but you split a house between two or more families, right? And Leia hasn't really been to a lot of these places. Like she doesn't have a lot of, yeah, we have one friend who has a house in that kind of communal space, but that's it. And we get there, we, you know, we we drop drop her friend off and we're talking, I'm talking to the parents and saying how the day was and they were in the middle of dinner. And Leia goes, hi, and she's so excited and she starts taking her shoes off to go in to this house, but it's late. She just had a big play date. They are in the middle of dinner. It really was not the moment, you know, to come inside at all. And we weren't invited inside. So I was like, no, 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 honey, honey, we're not taking your shoes off. We're just dropping your friend off here. And she said, but she told me that I could jump on her trampoline. So apparently in the car, her friend had said, I have a trampoline in my backyard. Let's go jump on the trampoline. But I didn't hear that. I didn't know. Because then I would have nipped that in the bud in the car, you know, and made sure she was prepared that we're only like preparation for me is the name of the game. Like I would have said in the car, we're only dropping her off that we're not going to do anything else. No trampolining this time, maybe next time, you know, but I didn't know. So I, I didn't, I wasn't able to prepare her for that. She really thought we were going there to jump on the trampoline. And I, yeah, so she starts taking her shoes off to go inside and she can be really quick with her actions. You know, she can just like, boom, and she's kind of gone. So I'm, I'm like kind of trying to grab her like, no, 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 no. And these are people we don't know, you know, like I want I want her to listen. Okay. And then, okay. She's like, oh, and then she puts her shoes back on and steps back. And I say something to the parents, you know, and then all of a sudden the dad goes, uh, she just took off. And I'm like, what? Yeah, she ran. I'm like, what do you mean? She is very unlike Leia to just take off, you know, and we're in a new place. I don't know the area, you know, it's not a busy road, but there's cars and she just ran. I'm like, what? Did you see which way? He's like, yeah, I think that way. And then to the left by those cars and I'm like okay what so I'm running after her yelling her name and she doesn't answer so I have this like it's a very brief moment but I have that 
you know, as a parent, when all of a sudden your kid takes off in a busy place, it's like, where did she go? Or you don't, or you, you don't see them for a moment. It's like a scary feeling, you know? She doesn't answer. And I'm like, Leia, she doesn't answer. And of course, I'm also trying to like save face in front of these people and not lose my shit, you know? So I'm like, Leia, it's time to go. I'm like staying very polite, you know? And she's not answering. And then I like, I go through and I realize she thought that this big house was one family house. She thought she was at like like a, a like a home, like a villa or something. You know, she thought that oh, I'm going to run around the house and into the backyard from the back. Like I'm going to run that way and jump on the trampoline. But what she did is she ran into not only into a strange family's yard, she ran into their house. <laughs> and I can like laugh at this now because it's like what the fuck? really a what the fuck moment she ran into a stranger's house okay this is so not okay and she was so fast and I like finally see her I mean she was it was maybe 20 seconds or something that I was like yelling for her and she didn't answer but it felt like a long time and then she comes running out of this house like a strange house and I see a like an older lady there looking like confused and you know and I'm like I'm so sorry and then Leia runs up to me. And by this point, I am so angry. I'm like, not only did she not listen to me, not only did she ignore what I said, but she did something like really unsafe. You know, this is not safe. It's not safe to run away. It's not safe to not answer when you hear your mother call you. And it is not safe to run into a strange person's home, you know. So I, she comes running back to me. I'm so upset. And I'm containing myself, right? But I'm very upset. Of course, you can tell. And I'm holding her and I'm just like, Leia, that is not okay. You need to listen to me when I talk to you. I told you we cannot. And I'm just like with a harsh tone. That was a strange person's home. You cannot do that. I was like, oh, you know. And then we walk back to the front door with this whole family still waiting, like wondering what's going on, trying to say goodbye so they can like return to their dinner, you know. And then I get there and I'm like, I'm just, I'm so sorry. Yeah, it's time for us to go. And guess what Leah does? She takes her shoes off and still thinks she's on her way to the trampoline. At which point I like had to grab her and I'm like, honey, honey, let's go. We're going in the car. And she loses her mind. Like she lost it. If there's something, I don't even know what that, where does that expression comes from? Like losing your mind. She lost it. Like whatever she had, had was holding was lost. Like she... She starts screaming and it was it was the highest pitch, like loudest scream that went on for, I, I don't know, I felt like years, like I lost years of my life <laughs> standing in front of these people's porch, you know, and I'm holding her and she's kicking me and she's screaming and it was like the family like stepped back. They were like, whoa, you know. And, and I'm just like, yeah, it's late. I'm so sorry. Like, I really just apologize. I put her in the car and um, she stopped crying. And then, and I'm just like, I, I, I don't know, because this never happens. Like it's, it, it hasn't happened that I, that's, yeah, a, a reaction that strong. And I could not connect the dots. Like I'd already said, we're not going into this. There's no, we're not going trampoline. You're not, you know, she knew she wasn't allowed in the house. And then she loses it to that degree. You know, it was like so intense. And I felt almost like I was, you know, like anyone who's, yeah. And I think every parent listening to this show, yeah, you've had this experience with one of your children. Like I know it's so draining, you know. 
and then in the car and I'm so upset about it. I really had a hard time. I had a hard time grounding myself and I had a hard time moving past my own experience, which is what I find the only thing that's helpful in in hard moments with her is I need to ground myself so I can connect with her, you know, and show her that she's seen and validated in her feeling because the feeling I always try to validate. I always want her to know the feelings that you're having are okay. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be sad. It's okay. all of these things. It's okay. It's okay. But it is not okay. It's definitely not okay to run away from me in public. It is not okay to not answer me when I call you. And it is not okay to run into a strange family's house, you know. But the time to talk about those things is not in the middle of the emotional moment, right? It's like I really normally, normally, right, have a moment to ground, come to her, you know, repeat the feeling that I that I feel like she's feeling, you know, it must have been, yeah, must have been, I, what I would have said in a normal setting would be like, she tries to run into to her friend's home to, to go on the trampoline. She gets upset. I would have said, oh, you know, it must have been so hard to not go on the trampoline, even though you, I know you wanted to go. I bet that was so hard, you know, to not get to go inside. And normally saying something like that, like I'm understanding her emotion, then she gets really soft. And then if she has a big feeling, usually she just cries and she says, yes, you know, it was really hard. And I'm like, I know, I wish, I wish we could go on the trampoline. I use that one a lot, like visualizing, oh, I wish we could go on the trampoline. I wish we could buy this thing at the store that we're not buying. I wish we could go to the playground right now. Oh, that would be so fun, you know. But right now we have this thing that we're going to. And just saying that, right? Like validating her feeling, naming her experience. And then, yeah, the wishing moment. Like it really, those things always work. But now I was so fucking upset. And part of why I was upset, I realized, of course, later is like I was having an adult moment, not wanting to lose face in front of strangers that actually I, I was hoping to like create a relationship with, you know, for her sake. I was like, being that grown up that's like, oh, this is embarrassing. Yeah, it was really embarrassing. And normally I don't have that response, you know. Normally anything can happen and I don't mind. Like I will lie down at the grocery store floor with her if that's what's needed. Like we went through that phase when she was like a year and a half where she all of a sudden would just lie down on the floor in the grocery store and like not want to walk anymore. <laughs> you know, and I would like, okay, let's lie here. We're lying here for a while. Like that's what we're doing. It's 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 okay. I don't generally feel embarrassed by by stuff. And now I just, I felt really embarrassed. I really did. I felt like this was just, whoa, it was a lot in the little few minutes that we were there. And because I was in my own thing, the whole drive home, I couldn't get on her level. You know, I couldn't soften. I couldn't, it was like I had my guard up, you know, the whole time. I was just pissed, like really pissed. And then when we get home, Right as we come home, I'm like, okay, we need a moment now. We need to ground. We need to talk. We need to sit with each other. Like this, I, we need I, I, we need a moment here to repair, right? This is the thing. And then right then, my dad called and had like a big thing he wanted, needed to share. And it wasn't like I couldn't just hang up, you know? I had to spend like at least two minutes just like closing that call. And then what I think happened is that Leia, like the whole drive home, she felt not seen. She felt like I am so upset with her. She felt like she did something wrong. I'm sure she felt like shame, you know. There's a lot of, 
I think shame is an easy emotion for kids to go to. And it's a very hard emotion for a child to be with alone, you know, feeling ashamed that you've done something wrong and maybe you're not fully understanding what you did wrong or how to fix it. But shame, shame is not a feeling we want to leave a child with on their own, unregulated, you know, no. And then when we came home, I kind of didn't go to her right away. Also because I was still pissed. Like I really was. I had a really hard time. So I took this call, you know, and then I think she felt really like oh, even less seen, you know. So when we finally came in the house, you know, she we just sat, I just sat down and she looks at me and she starts to cry and she cries and she cries. And then she her thing is always like she's and I love this about her. She is she knows how to apologize really well. And it doesn't have to happen right away. This is something that that we talk about a lot, like in the family. If we've done something that was wrong or we say something mean, we don't have to right away say I'm sorry because sometimes we don't feel that. And if we say I'm sorry, like uh, automatically whenever we do something that wasn't right, that I'm sorry doesn't matter so much anymore, you know. So we have this thing in the family where, yeah, she's, she'll tell me, oh, I think you're so dumb, mama. Like she's doing that a lot these days if she wants something and I say no. And then that's like a go-to in, the, in this week, at least since Dennis left. Oh, you're so dumb. Like I'm dumb. And then, you know, five minutes will pass or 10 minutes will pass. Sometimes an hour will pass. And then she's like, mama, I'm so sorry. I said you were dumb. I, I didn't mean it. I was really upset about that thing at the store. And then I'm like, that's okay. It's, it's totally okay, honey. Thank you so much for apologizing. You know, let's try to use kind words with each other. Because when she finally comes, it's like that apology is really true. It's like she sat with it. She's remembering the moment. She feels inside that it didn't feel good to, to tell mama that she's dumb, you know. And then the apology really means something. And then here... Like she really sat with that for a long time and then was like, I'm sorry, I ran away. And I'm like, it's okay, it's okay. And we grounded a little bit and then it was like so late. So she went to bed <laughs> and I am sitting on the couch and I am so numb, like so numb. I want to cry, but I can't cry. I want to, yeah, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I don't know, like, should I <laughs> go outside and like yell for a little bit into the void or should I like... I don't know, open a bottle of wine? Should I drink tea? Like I just, I'm just like numb trying to figure out like what am I going to do with myself? And then my friend calls or she sends me a voice message like how is the evening and what's going on? And and I just start sharing like here's what happened. And as soon as I start sharing what happened, I started connecting the dots. And I find this so fucking beautiful about whatever human experience it is that we're having it's sometimes so hard to make sense of our experience on our own. We need a sounding board of another person. We need another human being to just hold a little bit of space for us. And that space can be, what's going on? What happened tonight? Are you okay? You want to talk? Like, it can be a, a sentence from another person that, that they are listening to us, right? And as I start sharing and saying, like, here was the evening, like, I don't know what the fuck happened. And then I'm putting, as I'm speaking, I start to connect the dots and I realize what, what happened. She got scared. And the fact that I didn't, it didn't even occur to me 
it, it didn't even hit me until way late in the night as I'm telling the story. It's like, wait, she thought she was running into her friend's home, right? This friend that she knows very well. She thought she was invited because her friend had said, we're going to jump on the trampoline. So she felt invited into their home. She spent the whole car ride looking forward to jumping on the trampoline, expecting we are arriving there to jump on the trampoline, only to immediately get rejected, right, by mom. No, that can't happen. No, no, no. And then going for it anyway, right, because she was really expecting it. And that impulse was very hard to control at that moment. And then she, of course, she didn't mean to run into a strange person's home, right? She thought she was running into her friend's home. So then running and then ending up, I don't know what, I don't know what her experience was like in there. She was there for a very short time, but I just all of a sudden, I realized she was terrified. Like she ended up somewhere she didn't expect to end up. There were strangers there. She realized she did the whole wrong thing. She probably felt totally ashamed and scared and Instead of meeting her there in that moment, I couldn't catch it because I was so fucking angry, right? <laughs> Instead of being met with, with some compassion or at least, you know, a hug or, hey, I'm here, you know, she was scared. I was reprimanding her, right? I was like, that is not okay. You cannot, you know, I was giving her that very harsh, like, you cannot run away from me. I was, oh. And yeah, and that just made her whole system, like it just brought her whole system to an over overload and the overload for a five-year-old but the overwhelm comes out through screaming and kicking and screaming and kicking I don't know how long it lasted it really feels like a very long time it could have been like a minute you know it's like tantrum time is not regular time it's kind of like running time like a minute of running is not the same thing as as a minute of resting you know like a minute of running is kind of like a minute of, of tantrum. Like it's very long, like very, 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 very long. Time slows down. Time just stops, right? And as I was sitting on the couch and I had this just realization, like what happened tonight is that she got scared and she wasn't seen in that fear. And then she was shamed for what she had done, right? Of course, she had an overwhelm. Of course, you know. And then I felt so bad, like I just had this big, like my whole chest was just going to like, oh my God. And I, and she'd been in her room, like I tucked her in like 30 minutes before. Normally she falls asleep right away. And I'm like, I need to go see if she's awake. I need to see if she's awake. And I go in and she was awake. She was just lying there. And I crawl into bed and I hugged her and I'm like, honey, I'm so sorry about tonight. I'm so sorry. And as I said that, and I held her, like I'm crying now just sharing this and this was such a tender moment you know then she finally like really softened and really cried and really 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 cried and then I asked I'm like how when you ran into that house how did you feel and she says I got so scared and she cries and I was I was totally lost I didn't know how to get out of there it was the wrong house those people in there like she was terrified in there and then she was finally, you know, sharing her whole experience of what was that for her? You know, what happened there? How did she feel? And she was so scared. And then I was so angry, you know. And then she said, Mama, when you're angry with me, I don't even know if you love me anymore. <laughs> and I was like, oh, how fucking true is this, you know, for a five-year-old to have your parents be really angry like that? 
is a huge thing. And I'm sharing the story just just to just to share like a little glimpse of here is our journey as a family. Like this is parenting, you know? Not to because I have some big piece of wisdom or here is the how-to or and even not it's not like I'm beating myself up like I did something wrong. You know, I did the best everything the best I could in that moment. And I think most of the time as parents and as adults, it's very, very hard. It's so hard to stay really grounded. It's so hard to stay very present with them. It's so hard to not get lost in our own experience. And somehow that's what parenting is, right? It's like taking a breath in the moment so that you can be with your child regardless of the big thing that happened and how it triggered you or bruised your ego or embarrassed you in front of other people or whatever adult experience we're having about it right? To immediately get down on their level and just feel and just be there and see them and hold them. And it is hard. It's hard to do that. Really, really, really hard. And I think, you know, where I was thinking about that, if this exact same experience had happened and there wasn't a family there that I was like trying to save face in front of, would I have, would I have missed that she was terrified, that she was really scared? Probably not, right? I would have seen it on her face. I would have caught it in that moment. But I was just so like, oh my God, this is so embarrassing. This is so frustrating. I just picked her up and like, you can't do that, you know. And this is just a small moment in our lives, right? And as a parent, we're going to have these moments again and again and again and again. And for some of us, and in some seasons and some cycles, it's all the time. You know, someone wrote me and said, oh, I feel so saddened reading that with Leia you have mostly easy days and sometimes you have a tantrum because I have a child and we have mostly tantrums and sometimes we have easy days and my heart just like oh I just sat there with my hand on my heart like ah this is so so true and so hard you know and regardless of what our circumstance is or what parenting style we're going for or you know like we're all doing our very best and we're all doing a really 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 good job at doing our best so if at any point you know you have that kind of lesser than feeling or you should be doing different or you should be doing we can always repair you know that's the thing and for us that night like our big moment of melting and softening and really meeting each other didn't happen in the conversation about it earlier you know it happened when I finally softened and I finally was able to arrive at that place of understanding inside of myself and if I hadn't gone to her then you know we had that and it was so nice because it was in the middle of the night she was supposed to sleep she wasn't asleep and we just like laid there crying you know, she told her whole story and as she spoke and as I spoke and as I'm reassuring her and, you know, I'm like, I love you so much. Like when you're angry, I love you the most. I'm like, I love you so much when you're angry. I love you when you do bad stuff. I love you when you run away from me. I love you when you do things you're not supposed to do. I love you when you're sneaky. I love you when you lie. I love you all the time. Like I just like repeated all the things, all the the things that, you know, in her head, like she's not supposed to do. Like, I, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. And in saying those words, it's like, I just completely let go. And when I came out of that room, 
I'm like, I didn't need any wine anymore. I didn't need tea anymore. I didn't need to go out and yell into the void. I didn't need to do, you know, I just, <laughs> I was done. Like I had processed and grounded and was ready to go to bed. You know. So yeah, that is our, that is our journey of this week. I promised you that we would do just a couple of questions of Ask Rachel at the end of the episode. I know this is a long episode today, so thank you for being here still. Um, and we're going to do three three quick questions to close this, this podcast. And as usual, I don't know these questions beforehand. I just listen and let's see what we get. Hi, Rachel. It's Meg. I'm calling because I'm curious about getting into oracle cards and tarot, but I'm a little bit skeptical about some of the things I've read. Just trying to figure out a fun and sort of accessible way for us to um, embed some more intentionality into the rituals of our day, experimenting with um, oracle or tarot, and curious what you do in your practice around that. Thanks so much for the show. Bye. Oh, hi, Meg. Thank you so much for this question. This is a perfect end of the show question. I love it. So Oracle cards, I adore. I adore. I have many, many Oracle decks that I work with. I got my first one, I think I was 17 or 18. Back then, I would call them angel cards. I always call them that because my first deck was literally angel cards, like cards and notes and messages from the angels. But I love, I think the word and the term oracle deck is much more all-encompassing because there are so many variations of decks. And what I recommend is whenever we want to invite a new ritual or a new practice into our, into our day, we start to put our attention out there and say, oh, I would love, I would love to find an oracle deck that really resonates with me you're going to find one or one is going to come your way. All of a sudden, you're going to walk out of the yoga studio and there is an Oracle deck for sale, you know, by reception desk or you're browsing online and there's an ad for one or a friend recommends one or, you know, you're going to have one kind of come your way. Trust, just trust that. And making sure that the deck that you choose really, really resonates. I would just go for an overall theme that feels good. I'm very into nature decks these days because I feel just an, an immense connection to plants right now. So I love having plants as part of my oracle deck. But I have oracle decks that are centered around the yoga practice or ones that are centered around tea or I have an animal deck, I have an astrology deck, I have so many different ones. But picking one that resonates with an area of your life that feels really open and alive right now, I think is really beautiful. And I don't know if you have kids or if this is something you want to do with your family, but there's also really kid-friendly ones. This is one of my favorite things to do with Leia in practice because it's so fun and so accessible and a really beautiful way to invite kids into a, into a, a sacred practice. So my go-to is at the beginning or the end of a practice, depending on how I feel. It could be the beginning of my tea practice or the beginning of my yoga practice or at the very end as I'm kind of closing it out. I'll take a moment just to sit with my deck. Um, sometimes I hold it to my heart. Sometimes I just hold it in my hands. And I breathe for a little while to define my question. 
because oftentimes I have a specific question I want to ask or an area of my life that I'm trying to figure out. I rarely come to a deck when everything is amazing and perfect. (laughs) You know, I often come to my decks when I want an answer of some sort or when I'm feeling a little uncertain about something, right? So sitting for a moment in meditation to arrive at a very clear question. This is the most important, I think, piece of advice I can give. When you ask the universe the question that you want help having answered by the oracle cards, that question needs to be crystal clear and very concise and to the point. Abstract, deep, emotional, feeling, long questions are very hard, I think, for the universe to respond to or for the oracle deck to really hear. So something simple, something to the point. And if you don't have a specific question that day, you know, oftentimes I'll just sit down and I ask, what do I need to know today? That's it. What do I need to know today? Or sometimes I ask, what's helpful for my heart today? Yeah. Or just tell me what I need to know. It could be something as simple as that. And then I shuffle the cards and you can do it different ways. You can just pick a card, you know, from anywhere in the deck. I like to kind of lay the cards out on the floor or on a little table and I like to hover my hand over it and I use that kind of physical feeling of where do I want to touch down? You know, that's the card that's mine for today. And usually the decks come with variations also for different ways to use them and you can do a three card pull or a five card pull or pulls in different constellations and there are so many ways to work with a deck but I really recommend you pick just one either one that comes your way, just life gives you one, right? Or one where you seek one out in the area of life that you feel is really active and alive right now. And then start working with the deck every day, you know, every day. I always clear the energy of a new deck, uh, knocking on the deck twice, holding the deck in your left hand, using your right hand to knock on the deck twice, clears the energy. Sometimes I leave it out in a full moon, Sometimes I just use a little bit of like incense or a little bit of Pino or Palo Santo just to kind of clear it with smoke, but cleaning, cleaning the energy of the deck before you begin. Or if you ever lend someone the deck, which I rarely do, I feel like Oracle decks are very personal. They should stay with us. But if I have borrowed or lent a deck to someone else, I'll clear the energy before I work with it myself so that you always get answers that are meant for you and not for someone else. So enjoy this practice. It's a really, really fun way, honestly, to connect with the universe, to connect with spirit, to connect with God, to connect with Mother Nature, whatever you call this great greatness that is bigger than all of us. Let's go to the next question. Hi, Rachel. Uh, My name is Christine, and I'm tuning in currently from New Jersey. I've been listening to your uh, podcast since I started my own yoga journey as a yoga teacher, and I just wanted to ask you a question about your own path and how you stay grounded in your own yoga teaching practice and your own personal practice. I I was wondering if you ever feel like a sort of imposter syndrome as a yoga teacher, like if you feel that your life needs to look a certain way in order for you to be able to be the best yoga teacher that you can be. Yeah, I would just love to hear your thoughts on that. Bye. Oh, hi, Christine. Thank you for your question. I feel like that was a a couple of questions wrapped into one, eh? 
I definitely resonate with what you're saying. And I think imposter syndrome, especially early on in our in our teaching journey, I think it's it's not just common. I'm going to go ahead and say that everyone is probably going to feel that at a certain point. And it's important to distinguish, I think, between where and in what areas of my teaching is this just an old conditioned voice in the back of my head telling me I'm not good enough, right? Even though that's not true. Where is this just completely untrue? You know, it's just that critical inner judgmental thinking telling you that you can't do this and who are you to do that? And you should be able to do this and that pose before you can teach this and that thing. You know, we have a lot of, there's a lot of ways that we trip ourselves up, you know, just from our own mind and our own ego. So in which areas of my teaching and my practice is this literally just imposter syndrome and this is untrue, an untrue story I'm telling myself that's not helpful. And in which areas of my teaching do I feel insecure about certain things because I actually need to know more, right? Because I think both things can be true at the same time. Sometimes that feeling of, of being an imposter is actually there because in some ways we are a little bit. You know, could it be that you're teaching things that don't feel integrated inside of you yet, right? It's very, very important when we teach that we teach only areas and things that we feel have settled inside of us and become a knowing, that it's not just words we are repeating that someone else told us to say, because if we're doing that, we're going to feel like we're faking it, right? Because in a sense, we are. So I had this, especially in the beginning, you know, I, I, I really thought <laughs> because I was told and, you know, it's kind of, it used to be, I think, the general idea, I was... I, I thought that to be a yoga teacher, I have to be holier than thou, right? I have to be completely Zen and at peace at all times. I have to live this very sacred everyday life where everything I do is rooted in intentionality and presence and nothing that goes against anything like that can be a part of my life. I have to wake up at four in the morning. I have to meditate for an hour every day. I have to never drink alcohol. I have to eat these kinds of foods, but not those kinds of foods. I have to be smiling all the time. And, at pe you know, it's like I have to be like, what, what kind of person is that? You know, it's like I was trying to make myself not be human. And I have to study all the time. And yoga is this and yoga is that. And then I felt absolutely in my teaching that I was sort of, I would put on a teacher hat. And like, now I'm Rachel, the yoga teacher. And look at how great I am. And look at how perfect I live my life. When the truth was, that wasn't who I was, right? I have never been that kind of holy, you know, like perfect person that does everything in that specific way. You know, actually, in my real life, I curse a lot. <laughs> I talk a lot of shit. <laughs> I'm kind of loud. I fall over a lot. I like to laugh and have fun. Um, I love a glass of wine, you know. I actually, I, I, I am this person, but then I would put on this hat to be this kind of teacher person and almost pretend like, well, I'm not one of those things. And the moment I realized that that insecurity I felt whenever I stepped onto the mat to teach came from trying to squeeze my whole personality into this tiny little box named yoga teacher that wasn't who I was. That's where the insecurity came from, that I really felt like I had to play a role 
when I was teaching a class versus just being myself, conveying and sharing a practice, right? And it wasn't until I started teaching in a way that felt like me that my classes started growing, you know, that people started, you know, really resonating with my classes, that people started having fun in class. All that innate wisdom that lives inside of me could only come out when I was speaking from a place of truth, when I was being myself in the shala. So before that, I definitely had that imposter feeling because I was repeating words I had read. I was saying things that other teachers had told me that sounded good, but I wasn't teaching from an integrated place. So definitely spend some time in contemplation there. You know, where is it just imposter syndrome? And it's not true. And it's me being hard on myself, me beating myself up. You know, any idea of to be a yoga teacher, you have to be this, you have to be skinny, or you have to be white, you have to be this, you have to wear these kinds of clothes, you have to know these kinds of poses, like all of that is a load of bullshit. Like that is just not true. You don't have to, your heels don't have to touch the floor and down dog for you to be a yoga teacher. Like there's no pose you have to master, but you have to be integrated and living your practice, right? Those are very different things. So recognizing where it's your mind tripping you up and where actually that feeling of insecurity is there because it's an area you don't know enough of yet. So say you are teaching from a place, uh, you're teaching about the sutras, but you actually don't feel like you know the sutras that you're teaching from, right? Or you're picking themes for your classes or reading passages from books in your classes or you're teaching inversion classes and you don't feel it could be that you're teaching a specific area that hasn't integrated deeply enough inside of you and maybe this is just life nudging you to teach what you know you know teach what you know I think that's the best piece of advice I could ever give okay we're gonna take our last question of this podcast. Dear Rachel, I would like to ask you about language and your mother tongue Swedish um, and also your relationship with all the languages in your life and how they translate into your mothering. Because I noticed that you mix English and Swedish when you talk with Leah. Uh, I find myself in a very similar situation because I live in Denmark, I'm Hungarian, my husband is Norwegian and we talk in English to each other and my His son who is one year old is going to a Danish daycare. So I am a little bit concerned about all this mixing of languages. And I was wondering if you had any considerations about this in your life and maybe sharing how it's different now that you are living in your home country. And have you ever worried about this or thought about this? Thank you. Oh, this is a this is a this is a tough one. <laughs> Um, I've definitely struggled with this. So we have many, many languages in our family. You know, Dennis is Aruban, but in Aruba, everyone speaks four languages. So Papiamento is his native tongue, which is the local language of Aruba. But he also speaks fluent Dutch, English, and Spanish, because on the island, everyone speaks four languages. And he always had this experience that he shares a lot, that he feels like the fact that they were taught so many languages means that you never fully master one. 
And I can see that, you know, of course, he's he's fluent in all those four languages. He can sustain complete conversations. But if you ask, you know, any of his friends how to spell certain things in Papiamento, everyone will have a different answer. You know, if you go deeper into grammar, you know, in Dutch, he's not going to feel 100% solid in every area there, especially spelling and things like that. So I, I, I definitely think it's true that if you get a lot of languages at the, at the same time, you're going to end up knowing all of them, but you're not going to master all of them the same unless you have dedicated presence around that, right? So for Leia growing up in Aruba, speaking English at home, but I was speaking Swedish to her. She was going to school where they spoke Papiamento mostly, but our language within the family was English. You know, and then we always had a lot of Spanish around us. Also, it's, it was it was a lot in the beginning. And what I noticed happened fairly automatically. As soon as I didn't have family around, my Swedish would start to slip with her. As soon as actually, as soon as she started speaking back to me, and she was getting very verbal and learning how to speak, it wasn't natural for her to speak back to me in Swedish because she knew her dad doesn't understand. So for a while, I would continue to kind of hammer the Swedish, but she would answer me in English. And English was really our family language. So I think when she was, she was about three, I, I kind of dropped the Swedish or the Swedish got a little lost. And I remember feeling, it's okay, you know, I'm Swedish and we have our whole family there. Like she's going to get Swedish eventually. It's okay if I like relax about the Swedish because I was the only one. I had no one else to speak Swedish to. No Swedish people, no Swedish friends. It was just her and I and everyone else speaking a different language. It became very hard to sustain, especially with a very verbal toddler, you know. So, and uh, and I I would have regretted that. I so would have regretted doing that if it wasn't for the fact that we ended up randomly moving to Sweden. If we had not moved to Sweden, she wouldn't have spoken Swedish, <laughs> Yeah, I can kind of say that truthfully, because when we came here last year, she didn't speak Swedish. She couldn't sustain conversation in Swedish. She understood and she understood a lot, but not if you spoke too quickly, not if you spoke long, you know, complicated sentences, and she couldn't answer us back in Swedish. So three months into being in Sweden last year, she picked up enough Swedish that she could really hold her own in conversation. It happened so quickly because she had that foundation there. And I realized like, oh my God, I have to make Swedish our priority or she's she's not going to have it, you know. And now, of course, we're living here. So she speaks Swedish in school, but she's five. We've been here a year. Her accent is very strong. You can tell. I mean, 100% you can tell that she's not Swed like natively Swedish. She's natively Swedish, but you can tell that she, that she wasn't born and raised in Sweden. She has a really sweet, cute, kind of funny accent. You know, and even though for every month that she goes to school in Sweden, her Swedish gets better and better. She's very fluent now. I would have so regretted it if it, if we hadn't moved here. So my my piece of advice really is if you want to keep, you know, Hungarian, if, if that's your, your, your native tongue, and you want to make sure that, that your child keeps that and grows into that, you have to make this very serious commitment to only speak that language to them. Because it was when I was going between English and Swedish and then back to English and then Swedish, you know, she would pick the easier language. And which is the easier one? It's English because that's what everybody speaks. That's what her dad speaks to her. 
And then Swedish became automatically the thing that we didn't speak so much. And then we lost it. It takes dedication to really ingrain a language in a child. And luckily, their brains are so amazing. They can totally learn and sustain multiple languages at the same time, but not if you waver and you're kind of floating between. And it's also the advice I got from a lot of people back then that I didn't follow, right? So just really commit so that your child knows when they turn to you, this is the language that we speak, right? When they turn to someone else, they might speak some another language. When we speak all together, we might speak this language, but between the two of you, it's this. And I would probably, as soon as, you know, they're old enough, add some extra lessons in there, add some extra books in there. You know, if you're ever watching movies or shows or anything like that, making sure that it's in the language that you want to honor. Because if you're living in Denmark, Danish is going to come, right? For sure. You don't have to worry about that. But Hungarian might be the language that kind of falls behind a little bit. So yeah, I would stay super dedicated because it's such a gift, right? It is such a gift to know more languages than one. It is a huge gift. It's so good for the development of their brains. I mean, really, there is an intelligence there that you're cultivating that is beyond and so beautiful. And I love knowing many languages. I'm so I'm so grateful. I got to live between a lot of countries when I was little and I got to learn Spanish, for example, and English really fluently. Um, had I not known that, I probably never would have felt confident to leave Sweden and to travel and to, you know, have all the all the beauty and the joy that came my way from really seeing the world. There is a confidence that comes along with knowing another tongue. So stick with it. I think you're probably doing a really, really good job. Thank you, my darlings, for joining me for quite a long show today. I'm so grateful that you're here. Thank you. If you have a question you want to ask me, you can call and leave a message at plus one. That's for the U.S. if you're not in the U.S. Plus one, 720-443-1771. That's 720-443-1771. You just share your name, where you're from, and whatever question is on your mind. Thank you so much for joining me for this podcast today. Have a beautiful weekend and I'll be back next week. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes of the Yoga Girl podcast, Conversations from the Heart. This was a presentation of Cadence 13 Studio and I'll see you next week.